This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. On today's podcast, I'm going to share with you a live message that I shared this past February 2nd in Houston, Texas. It was during a citywide communion gathering. Pastors Donnell and Stephanie Vigors, pastors in the Houston area, felt the urgency of gathering prayer leaders, pastors, and ministry leaders together on a Saturday morning this past February 2nd. I was honored to be the one that they requested would share the message and to facilitate the communion. Although you'll hear in this message me referencing Houston, please know that this message transcends a moment and a city. It would be your city, your town, your nation. Because I really believe we're in a critical place right now. In this message, you'll find some moments it was just very raw and real. And I I pray it would resonate with you as well. When we go through things in life, there are times you pick things up around you. And you wonder why you're feeling the way you are. And we pick up even the corporate context of the spiritual dynamic of a city or a nation, or in our generation. And I know for me, in the last couple of weeks especially, there's been this kind of heaviness, but I know that the the only way to get through those times is staying in the presence of God. And that heaviness, of course, we would all look at just where we've come to, how we become the nation we've become, and on our watch, so to speak, and allowing the, the atrocities that we've seen and so for me, I, uh, it's been even challenging for my own family because I get into this zone where all I can do is pick things up in the spirit and I'm just, um, I'm really struggling with God and saying, God, where do we go from here? What do we do to redeem the hour and the time in which we live? And I'm having to remind myself if I never forget that moment that no matter what we go through, just like King David said in Psalm 51, Thank you for the joy of your salvation. And even communion is about remembering that moment, isn't it? And all that comes with it, not just our salvation, but healing and freedom and deliverance and liberation. All the prayers and the promises are in that moment. And so when David says, thank you for the joy of your salvation to the Father, and at the same time, that's what we need to be doing even in communion is to remember that moment. So when all the individual challenges and the corporate challenges and the, the, the things that we see happening around us, that we can get a, a perspective through God's presence if we don't forget that moment. When I, when I keep pointing, I mean that moment of the work of the cross and the power of the resurrection, the joy of your salvation and all the promises along the way. And along the way, we go through these sometimes unexpected detours and we go through challenges and we go through having the wind knocked out of us. We go through, God, where are you in the midst of all this? And when we look at where our nation is and how can it be that in, in some of our states that they would even allow the shedding of innocent blood? And, and you know, it's very simple if, as Christians because in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says you cannot partake, and speaking to the church, you cannot partake of the table of demons or sacrifice the table of demons and at the table of the Lord. We are in a moment where there's no more gray area, that we are either for the Lord or we're not. This is a 
significant time and moment because I do believe and have said for many decades, Lord, give us Houston, give us the nations from Houston, Texas to the four corners of the world. I believe if God does something here, not because just because we live here, but I believe that because of the strategic place that God has put the church in Houston, Houston now being the the largest, most diverse city in America, in the sense it's fourth largest in, in population, but it's, it's the most diverse city in America. More languages are spoken here than New York City or L.A. or anywhere else. And we are the energy capital of North America. We have two major international airports. We have all these things, the ship channel, the gateway to the world is what it's called because of all the shipping that goes on here. Literally, if God does something in us, it will change a nation and touch nations. It's a critical now moment because I believe again and again it is time. This is the moment for the awakened church for revival in the land. In the midst of that, we're, we're cognizant, we're not ignorant of what goes on around us, and we see that if, if we can sacrifice our children on the altar of convenience, even to the point of birth. And as one governor had a Freudian slip, even said that even after birth, making the decision between the parents and the... And so it's not a choice at that moment for that child. This is a child that's born that can be sacrificed on the table of demons before Moloch. So those things grieve me, yes. And I feel that heaviness. And the fact that just in the last few months, 20-something pastors... At, that we know of in our country alone committing suicide. No minister, no pastor, no Christian intends to fail or come to the point of either through failure, through uh, moral failure, or through improprieties. No one sets out to do that, and no one obviously sets out to say, let's get in the ministry so I can commit suicide. Maybe it's because in the church that used to believe that God was the preeminent one, Jesus, over all seen and unseen things. And his desire is to give his manifest presence and power to and through the church that somehow we've forgotten that there really is a spiritual battle going on. And so as we sense these things, don't take it personal. Realize you're picking something up. And that's why we need his presence that much more. I was thinking about the Last Supper, and they didn't have a full revelation, though he was trying to present to them in the midst of that, they were having communion together, breaking bread together, and they still didn't get the full revelation. Even after the resurrection and on the road to Emmaus, some of the disciples are walking, hearing stories and of some of the notable women of their party that said that he's not there, he's not in the grave, and an angel appeared, and I can imagine some of the disciples going, could that be? Questioning. And here are the ones that spent so much time with the Lord and still didn't have an understanding or revelation of the moment. That first communion together, that night before the, the uh, that we call the Last Supper, and then in Luke 24 where they're walking and Jesus appears and they still did not recognize him. We, I'm speaking to the choir, we recognize that more than ever we need to know when the presence of God is in our midst. 
And it's not letting the news and everything else and all the negative things, those are realities. But we know that there's a greater reality than what's happening in the world. There is a spiritual battle for the soul of a generation. There is a spiritual attack to divide and conquer the church. There's a spiritual attack to try to create more racism and more division and more polarization. And it's trying everything and every angle to divide the family. But Paul says in... 1 Corinthians 11, in preparation for the taking of communion, he says we need to discern the body. So in that second one I'm thinking about is when they're walking and, and they don't recognize him in the midst, but they're, they're talking about Jesus, but they don't recognize him. And so when he seemed like he was going to go no further with them, in verse 29 of Luke 24, he says, but they constrained him saying, abide with us. And that's that invitation. There was something in their spirit picking up that this is so real. There's something about this person, but they did not even recognize him. But they did do the right thing, and they said, stay with us, abide with us. That's an invitation for his presence. And that's our first thing we've done tonight. We recognize that all our human efforts is not working. All our institutional Christianity has only been costume jewelry. It's been cosmetic. It's not been the real thing. We need the manifest presence of the living God to invade the church, to change the soul of a nation. So he stayed with them, and it says in verse 30, it came to pass as he sat at the table with them, getting ready to break bread, and he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. That other communion, the, night, the last supper, they didn't have a full revelation. The crucifixion and resurrection, they still having doubts. What really happened these last few years? All we had been hoping for seemed to have not happened. Yet they're still longing in their hearts, and he has communion with them after they said, would you abide with us? And they take communion with him. And it says, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. And then, verse 31 says, then their eyes were opened. Now they had a fuller revelation of who he really was. And they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said one another, did not our hearts burn within us while well, he talked with us on the road and he opened the scriptures to us? From that moment where they were sad walking on the road, something changed. That second communion changed because now they had a, a revelation that they did not understand before that the only hope in the circumstance of the day was the manifest presence of God himself and that he is the fullness of the Godhead. He is the fullness of the Godhead and he wants us to be the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That sadness turned into the sense of expectation. And in the midst of all that's happening and all the things we're feeling and the burdens we're carrying and, and the sense we're picking up in the atmosphere around our city and around our nation, the things that break our hearts, the shedding of, of innocent blood and, and the injustices in our generation, and we're seeing that these are all on the altar of demons, and yet we have a greater power. The enemy might try his tactics, but we have one who is on the throne. He's never left his throne, and he's still the Lord. He's still the king, and he's still the Lord. Lord of Lords. But we can't forget the moment. As each time we take communion, it's to say, let us remember the moment of the work of the cross, power of the resurrection, the moment of the joy of your salvation. So when all these things happen, yes, we carry burden. I've been weeping. I, I, I was the other day I was at my office, and I couldn't understand why every few moments I felt like weeping. And the Lord reminded me that I was carrying, and what many others are carrying, 
just like Jeremiah weeping over the state of his nation. And there are times you don't go, why am I feeling weepy? It's because we're carrying a burden. But it's a burden that's not ours to carry alone. God allows us these moments to know what's in his heart and to pick up around us what people are sensing who don't know the Lord. We do know the Lord. And because we know the Lord, we, ha- are, we are uniquely equipped to have a spiritual authority when we pray. But how do we maintain that place of not forgetting the moment? How do we maintain that? I believe it's maintaining the manifest presence of God. And how do we maintain the presence of God? From the presence of God, how do we maintain that? It's the place of communication with God, which is our intentionality of keeping in our place of prayer, and a, a knee posture. It's not just being able to pray in public venues and in stadiums. We've all been a part of that. I've been a part of facilitating things like that. That's an outcome of what's already going on in private. Because we can wax eloquent in public, but if our hearts are not where they need to be in private, it's powerless in public. We need to stay in his presence in private so that in public there is this place that there's a recognition of his presence that comes with us everywhere we go because we've been in communication with God. We've been dialoguing, not monologuing, telling him, I need this, I want that, do this and do that. He's not our sugar daddy in the sky. We need to have that place of intimate communication and power through prayer and communication and interaction with him, that dialogue. And in that place, when we have this new sense of of a purpose, of expectation, God gives us his renewed passion. And sometimes we forget, we lose our edge, we lose our passion. We really need our passion back. I, I guess I've been saying it for a couple of years, God, I just want my youthfulness back. But what I'm really saying is, God, I want my edge back. I want my I want the passion for you that is greater than anything else. A passion for God and a love for people that is greater than anything else. And in that place, when we have this passion for God and a broken heart of compassion for people, he gives us a purpose beyond ourselves. And that purpose helps us to press into the presence of God, stay in communication with God in prayer so that we can keep that passion he wants in us because we have a purpose beyond ourselves. It's not about us, is it? It's easy for the flesh to resist. And we need to keep a right posture, a knee posture in humility. And the fear of the Lord. I'm not talking about I'm afraid of God beating me up. I, I know I'm saved by grace. But I sense we've lost this reverential fear of God in this generation. We come before the Lord haphazardly. We can say in generalities, oh, we, let's pray for them. And, and even our politicians say, oh, they need your prayers. What, do they understand what that means? Prayers thrown out that are amiss without a place of relationship. We have to get back to that place of yada with God, the Y-A-D-A of God. And to those who know their God shall do great exploits. To yada, to really know him. Not to know about him, but to know him and to know his presence. That word is yada in the New Testament would be in Ephesians where Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his passions. We call it sufferings in the English, but it's the, to know the passion of the Christ, that we, that we may know him, to konosko him, to yada in the Hebrew, to konosko in the Greek, to know him in the, the power. 
How can you have power with, and a power that breaks through without knowing him? Our own intellect, our own abilities, our own giftedness is not going to change the circumstances around us. But the power of the resurrection in us, the hope of glory, Christ in us can. Posture and humility and the fear of the Lord. That place of getting back to understanding he's not just some sort of sugar daddy. He really is God who loved us so much he chose us. And we have the privilege of his calling. It's not a sacrifice, it's a privilege. And to keep that posture and humility and stay in our knee time is also to have a right perspective. In other words, a keeping a right attitude. So that then we can remember the moments that God is the moment and then all the moments along the way where God has been faithful so that whatever we hear and all the voices and all the swirl and all the feelings we're having, we wonder if it's us. And, it's, and if we've been with the presence of God, it can't be us. If we're just picking up in the spirit and we have an authority to step into a place of that authority in the seen and unseen realms because the kingdom of God that dwells in you now has an authority as you speak the word over every circumstance, over your family, over your city, over our nation, over a generation. This is our moment. This is our Yada and Konosko moment. This is our moment to walk in the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit. But we need a right attitude. And to persevere in our leadership. Perseverance is the ability to be steadfast and persistent where there has been challenges or delay along the way. How many ever felt like there's been delays along the way? How many know that God hasn't forgotten his promises to us? How many know that God's word over our city and over our nation is still yes and amen? How many know that God's desire that we would continue to cross our racial, denominational, and generational lines to meet at the cross of Christ? How many know that that moment changed everything? So no matter what people try to put on us, I'm not going to listen to what the pundits say. I'm not going to listen to those who are trying to divide us. I'm not going to, look, I may vote differently than you, and you may vote differently than me. We may not wear the same cologne. You may brush your teeth once a week. I may brush it once a month. That's not what's important. What's important is that we have come to the cross. And at the cross, we are one race. At the cross, we are one people, obtaining together. You know, I have a sense that we get this revelation again. Carry the burden. Yes, our hearts are broken, but we give it back to the Lord whose yoke is easy and burden is light. And we give it back to him and say, God, now we give it to you, but we ask for your wisdom and strategy and anointing and commissioning because we know that you, those you commission, you anoint to break the yokes of bondage. So Lord, help us to hear your heart and mind and to speak your heart and mind. And where we have gotten away from loving the truth, we know that if we don't have the love of truth, we're given over to deception and delusion. God, we have a generation that's in delusion. We need the truth to penetrate us so that we can love your people and they can come to their place of freedom in the truth. Because whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. That expectation, though, in Luke 24 is where they now no longer said they had this new sense of revelation, expectation that in the midst of the world that was a mess, they knew something was up. Do you sense something is up, Houston? This is a moment. This is that, that Yada Konosko moment to get back to our first love, to remember the promises, and to walk in the anointing and power that God has granted us. 
Why we're in Houston is for a reason. And why we're a part of what's happening across this nation is for a reason. And why God is calling us to this moment is because he is not moved by all the atrocities and the sacrifice of the table of demons. He is looking for people who will come to the altar and to the sacrifice of the Lord and the table of the Lord together, putting aside their differences to come together at the work of the cross for the power of the resurrection to speak his authority, to walk in his authority, and to be his authority in all the seen and unseen realm. That expectation called them to go. Then he manifested again before he was taken up, ascended. And he says, now go tarry. There's a season of tarrying. We got to put out the outside noise. And together, put aside our differences for a moment in time where we have the manifest presence of God through common adoration like we did today, that common place of worship like we did today. In fact, I sense we're going to see something like this in a larger scale in Houston. Where there's no agendas of men, but the agenda of the Lord. And then they went and tarried, and in that place of tarrying, not even knowing what exactly was going to happen, they had an expectation, they were tarrying, and something happened, that rushing mighty wind, that locomotive that came in 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 tongues of fire, came into that upper room with 120 people. And it was beyond them. It was like, whoa. Have you ever been woed by God? Wowed by God? And it's in that place God does something and you go, man, I feel like I have a, a fresh, renewed hunger for God's presence and His Word. And what just happened? It's those moments we need like never before. But look what happened. They turned the world upside down. They went from not having full revelation in the Last Supper to being confused on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus appears and they invited him, had communion with them, and their eyes were open. Now they had a new expectation. They tarried and God showed up. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.